0: The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. Morning, church. Uh, I'm very excited to to be here. I really thought uh, when I uh, found out I was gonna be preaching on the 11th, I was really hoping to see uh, more people than just less here. Uh, (laughs) It's great to have you, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I miss you guys, and uh, as we're heading into another lockdown, uh, it's really sad to know that we have to, you know uh, go back to doing online, but you know, it's okay. It's only for a short period of time. Uh, I put my online uh, red shirt. Um, if you don't remember me mentioning that, well, maybe you, re- uh, you remember that if you checked in on the like long time ago sermons online. But anyway, we're here online again, and I'm very excited, and uh, uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, What I have been doing every time I've come back, um, but if you may remember that I've been doing like a sub series through the Book of Haggai. So the title of this message this morning uh, is facing discouragement, and you can turn to Haggai chapter two. Uh, The first time that I was preaching uh, in, uh, uh, where we've gone through chapter one, um, what we see in the Book of Haggai, just to kind of remind ourselves where it is, uh, because you know it's been a while. Um, Just to make sure we're all on the same page. Haggai is a prophetic book. It's a prophet. The word of the Lord comes to the man called Haggai uh, to speak to the people in his time. And so in the time of Haggai is when the exiled Jewish people came back to the land under the kingdom of Persia. Uh, The the Persian king allowed the people to go back and that whole event happens in the historical book of Ezra and as well as Nehemiah. And so uh, they came back, and they had begun building up their lives in the, pro- in, in the land that they had come back, and they began to rebuild the temple. And then things got hard, and so they stopped building the temple. And for 17 years passed, and they did not build the temple, but instead got busy with their own lives. And the Lord spoke to the prophet Haggai, in the first oracle, to speak to the people. Remember, he called them to consider their ways. Consider your ways, O people. You know, how have you been living? My house lies in ruins, while your house, you know, you seek to, uh, you know, uh, put yourself in your own homes and take care of your own families, and yet my house is in ruins, and he called them to consider their ways, because the reason why I remember the temple mattered, because that is how uh, the, the presence of the Lord was with his people. Uh, the temple represented uh, the right worship of the people with their God. And so he was calling them to get on top of, you know, what are the uh, priorities and responsibilities that God was calling them to do, and yet instead, they did their own thing, and so, what we saw is their actions of uh, what God was calling them to do was to repent and obey and then come back to uh, building this house. You know, get back to God's priorities in their lives and really restore the people as a whole. And so, as we were looking at the whole book of Haggai, we we're looking at this theme of uh, restoration of his people. And the, the, so, uh, in chapter one, there's two separate oracles of God speaking. The first one was to call to consider your ways, and the second one was after the people had obeyed the Lord or repented and began building the temple again, the, the second oracle came very, very short, and the Lord was uh, saying that, I am with you. And you know uh, to confirm as they were moving ahead in obedience that they were honoring the Lord, the Lord came to speak to them, to encourage them to continue. And as we looked at both of those passages, what we asked ourselves was about how are we uh, prioritizing our lives? You know, how are we seeking to uh, be a part of the kingdom of God? Are we seeking to build up our own kingdoms? Are we seeking to take care of ourselves? Are we seeking to do what the Lord is calling us to do? And so what we were looking at uh, is all to do with our priorities and the way that we have, been li- we have been living. And are we obeying the Lord, fearing the Lord, and seeking to do what he is calling us to do? And so in chapter two is where we are today. And you see, there's going to be a short period of time, about three weeks, between chapters one ending. So they've begun to rebuild the temple, they've repented, they've obeyed the Lord, they're continuing with that, and then chapter two comes along. And so uh, what we're going to see here in today's big idea is that while dealing with discouragement and doubts, the people of God find their strength and motivation in the presence and hope of the Lord. Uh, we see that the fact that the Lord sees that they are struggling So before we get any further, let's read verses 1 to 5 of chapter 2. In the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnants of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Where we are today and what we're kind of looking at is uh, what we first kind of notice is the people of Israel haven't said anything, they haven't done anything. This is just a word of the Lord coming three weeks into the building project, re, you know, begins again because uh, we know that they had begun the temple in 17 years past and here they are rebuilding it again. And nothing's really happened that we know of, but yet the Lord comes to speak. And you see, we see that in verse 3 in the context of everything that's going on you know, with the yet now be strong, we see that the people are struggling and the Lord is seeking to encourage his people. And so to know about how the Lord encourages his people, we must understand what is discouraging them, okay? So what we're going to look at is the discouragement of God's people here. And I want to look at verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? you know there's many different discouragements that the people could have been seeing uh, you know dealing with maybe the work was hard maybe there was a lack of reward in the work maybe there was uh, you know there was a lack of money maybe they had other desires in their homes but really what we see here is that there are the 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 people some of the people uh there were among them the elders who had seen the pra- the past temple of solomon uh, you know they 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 remember it being full of gold uh, you know just Some descriptions of Solomon's temple, it took years to build. It took thousands of people to build it. It took tons of gold, tons of silver, unknown amounts of bronze. It's just, what they're building right now, it seems to be so humble and not really, like it's just a a shadow of the former glory of what once was. And some of the people here remember a time when, you know, the temple was amazing and so they're looking at this and it's like, this isn't the temple that we remember. And really what you see is this, this stance that there's no point doing it because it's not going to be like it once was. What you really see is that the people are comparing themselves to nostalgia. Uh, You know, they're comparing themselves to what they remember. And let's also be honest that when we remember things in our past, especially things that we uh, uh, think were good, we tend to romanticize them. We forget all the hard bits. You know, we forget about, you know, the people weren't remembering the whole exile and destruction of the temple. They were remembering about how amazing it was. Uh, You know, we can really, uh, and this is kind of like, Something that we really should see here and acknowledge is that uh, comparing and drawing conclusions discourages us uh, from doing what God is calling us to do. And the principle that we can see here to apply to us is that comparing and drawing conclusions discourages us from following Christ, seeking the kingdom and making disciples. You know, when we compare ourselves to maybe before COVID, right? If we compare ourselves to maybe another church, maybe another country where they don't have lockdowns, and it's just like, you know, like uh, we don't have the same situation. Uh, you know, you come to kind of conclusions that are like, you know, maybe God isn't working here. Maybe God's, you know, just sort of taking time off. Maybe, you know, God works like that then, but we're not really sure right now. I, um, you know, it's, it's really one of those things where uh, all that you see in hindsight is where we should have trusted God and just kept going, but yet in the future we just see risk and we don't really know, so we don't want to invest faith into the Lord. But yet when we look back, we can see how we should have trusted Him the whole time. You know, we, we as human beings can romanticize the past, uh, you know, maybe uh, come to conclusions that, you know, we're not really sure what we're, what we're doing right now. And so the the discouragement, and uh, sorry the the uh, yeah the discouragement that they are feeling right now is the fact that they're not really sure if God's truly working. They're not really sure if uh, uh, things are going to be good as they once were or as great as they once were. They're not sure if they're going to be able to, uh, you know, fully finish this. You know, it really kind of connects with what we're feeling right now, where it's just like, oh, another lockdown, just another, you know. And it's just like, yes, we know one day this kind of whole thing will blow over and we'll just kind of go on with our lives. But it's just like, what do we do when we're facing when we're feeling? Because let's be honest, discouragement is, you know, we feel it. What do we do when we face discouragement? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as the Lord looks to his people and he sees that they are struggling. And also notices that they didn't come to him and say, Lord, we're struggling. He comes to them. You know, it tells something about, tells something about the Lord's heart. The, the fact that he sees what's going on inside of us and what he's going to be calling them to do. As you see in verse 4, yet now be strong. Don't focus on your discouragement. Don't ignore it necessarily, but like what we're going to look here is what, what, what the Lord's going to do uh, and what we should really do in our lives is identify Identify the lie of discouragement and insert the truth of encouragement. That's the principle of what we're going to see here. We're going to see that the people are struggling and just like anyone can, feeling discouraged, and the Lord's going to build them up. The Lord's going to encourage them, okay? So that's what we're here this morning as uh, God is speaking to the people in Haggai's day. The Lord is speaking right now to say, don't give up, don't stop living for Christ don't stop living for what matters you know maybe you feel tempted to give up in church because we can't really be here maybe you feel discouraged and you want to kind of give up with parenting even though you can't really give up with parenting you know maybe it's hard Uh, maybe you kind of just feel like giving up uh, you know uh, praying on a regular basis and uh, you know you're just not really sure what you're supposed to be doing with your life And you just kind of feel like this giving up mentality you know you feel discouraged Look to the Lord, and we're going to see as He's going to call the people to yet now be strong. And what we want to say this morning is as the Lord is speaking to you, yet now be strong, be strong. All right. So we're going to unpack the encouragement of the Lord in, in these verses uh, to be looking from verses four to nine here. As, uh, you know, this is just the Lord speaking to encourage the people. All right. So, first thing that we see here. As we, and each one of these, there's six points. They'll kind of be quick, just, you know, don't want you to be daunted at the six of them. Uh, but um, how do we face discouragement? And there's going to be six points of that. And the first one is face discouragement with hope. Okay, face discouragement with hope. Now, I know the word hope does not uh, jump out of the text or anything like that directly, but these words that, uh, I don't know why I said Jesus then, the words that Haggai speaks is, Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you. Declares the Lord of Hosts. You know when you see things constantly uh, being said over and over again, you see this. Declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. He's he's trying to build them up, and he's calling them to be strengthened up. And this, uh, the the call to be strong isn't just a sense of like, well, just toughen through it. You know, just white knuckle it. Just you know, just callous yourself up and just get through. He's trying to build them up. And how do you build someone up? How do you fill someone with strength? you give them hope. You, you call them to, to take heart, don't be discouraged, believe that the Lord is with you. And throughout this whole passage here, and in chapter 1, the Lord's like, I'm with you, I'm with you. And so this call is uh, to, to take heart in the fact that you are not alone as you are facing what you are facing. The, the, what you have to go through, be strong, declares the Lord, I am with you. Take strength from the Lord. And, you know, the call to be strong is very similar to, like, how do we view faith? And, uh, you know, really the way that faith is, it's it's like, it depends on who you have faith in. You can't just say be strong without referencing, you know, who is going to supply that strength. And it's very clear that it's not just supposed to come from within these people. It's the fact that the Lord is the one who's strengthening them and calling them to keep going, keep going. Be strong. Look to the hope that you have. I am with you. And what we see here is your spiritual strength is directly related to the hope that you have in the Lord. If you feel weak, uh, you know, look to the Lord. If you feel like you're not really sure, look to the Lord. If you feel lost, look to the Lord. If you need strength, look to the Lord. Second thing that we see here, that's a second thing to face discouragement with obedience, and this is from the words here, work. Okay, work, keep going, for I am with you. you. See, the people had, you know, they've already repented, and they've obeyed the Lord, and they, they uh, are busy working and doing what God has called them to do, right? The, the, the mission that he's given them, the, the, the grand job that they have to do is to build this temple. And, you know, we know that this is uh, not a small thing. This is, uh, you know, building any kind of building is is, is difficult. And uh, we're not going to look at it, but in Ezra, what we really see uh, what we see is the fact that people again fought them to you know, tell them to stop doing this. Uh, But yeah, you know, he's calling them to continue in obedience, keep going, even though it's difficult. You're not sure how you're going to pay for this. You're not really sure how this is all going to look. You know, like last time, 17 years ago, people wrote a letter to the king, and the king told them to stop. And now, what we see, uh, especially in in Ezra chapter five, is that the people did the same thing. Uh, They started rebuilding, and the people around them wrote a letter again to King Darius, and he's calling them, you know, keep going, work, for I am with you. And you know this uh, kind of undertone of like, uh, that, that, that uh, there's a belief among Christians today that kind of fits in, uh, that kind of gets addressed here. And it's this thought that sometimes if there's a life decision that if it's God's will, it's just going to happen easily, uh, as if it's not going to have any hardship to it. Now, I understand the principle of, you know, God's going to bring his will uh, into being. You know, no one can stop the, uh, our Lord. Uh, no one can stop what uh, our God purpose to happen. Uh, but there's this belief among Christians that if it's the Lord's will, it'll be easy. And what we're really seeing throughout Scripture, that it's not true. The Lord calls us to do things that are difficult. The Lord calls us to do jobs that take Uh, persistence, obedience, and consistency to keep doing the work. And what we're seeing here is the fact that the people are called to do something that's not just easy. It's not just a flick of a switch inside of them like, oh yeah, just trust God. Okay, now I've done it. It's over. You know, they've got to continue by putting their faith into action and keep building this, even though all around them, they're not sure what's going to happen. And yet the Lord is calling them work for I am with you. And remember, that strength is that that, that whole, uh, the authority of this is coming from the Lord to his people, you know, keep going, keep, uh, live, uh, keep working and, and going in obedience uh, for I am with you. And so we as Christians, as we face discouragement, uh, you know, just because we feel discouraged or we feel things getting hard doesn't mean that we should just stop or that we should give up. Or maybe even so far as like uh now we should we, we do we don't need to you know maybe we can sometimes feel justified uh into sin because we we're, we're just feeling uh discouraged right now, you know, I can just do some things that I care about, I can be selfish i don't really need to be loving I don't really need to uh, you know make sure that i'm not living in sin, maybe I can flirt with sin because i'm really discouraged, you know we work in strange ways as we as people and it's just like sometimes we can really take discouragement as a license to do what we want and what he's really calling out here is the lord is like even though you are discouraged work keep going as we face discouragement face it with obedience keep going do what is right do what the lord has called you to do It's not always easy. It doesn't just simply happen. You know, the building of the temple doesn't go without a hitch. You know, there there are problems as they go on. Face discouragement with obedience. Third thing. The people, uh, well, we're going to look at uh, verse 5 here. So it says, work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according, you know, because he said that I am with you. Uh, you know, I am with you according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. And what we're seeing here is that we are to face discouragement with the promises of God. And we're going to see that kind of throughout this whole uh, part here as he's just reminding them over and over again that I am with you. And you know the exile did not uh, forsake the covenant. It didn't de- delete it. You know, it's like... Um, Sometimes we feel like times change and new, we come into new chapters of life, and we, you know, like, you know, maybe we read the book of Acts and it's just like, wow, God is at work. God is so powerful. And then you look at the church today and you're like, I don't know if God can really do what, you know, He's done back then. It's like maybe we sometimes think that God changes over time or that He's not as powerful or works in gentler ways or softer ways. And really what's being called here to focus is the Lord is saying, my promise still stands. My covenant with you still stands. And as we as Christians, you know, look to the book of Acts and the way that the New Testament church was birthed, it's just like we serve the same God and the same power, the same word, the same gospel. God has the same power then as he does now. And God is at work now. And the promises of God still stand for his people. And so that is what the Lord is calling the people in Haggai's day to remember that the covenants that he had between him and his people when they came out of Egypt still stands. And so as we face discouragement and we're not really sure what's going on, face discouragement with the promises of God, his promises still stand. And we're gonna kind of read in verses six to nine certain promises and prophecies that God makes, so we'll kind of come back to this. Uh, But, you know, the fact is the Lord is not um, calling them to do this work and go alone. Okay, we see the next point here. You know, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And so the fourth thing that we see here is face discouragement by being filled by the Holy Spirit. Or face discouragement with the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know His Spirit remains in His um, among His people. God hasn't left His people, even though even though uh, Solomon's temple was built with gold, and this one's basically built with wooden stone. Uh, you know it's like God is still at work. And, you know, as times change, as, you know, uh, a year, we've had a whole year of, uh, of COVID life with lockdowns and things like that, and it's just like, is God still at work here? Or are we all still just on pause waiting for our life to come back? Uh, you know, is God still at work here? And the fact is, His Spirit never left us. His Spirit never leaves His people. He He continues to uh, be with His people, especially when He's called them to do something, when He's called them uh, to, to, you know, uh, he's equipped them for a mission. He doesn't uh, send his people in vain. What you see really throughout all of scripture is that when the Lord calls people to do things, he goes with them. And as he's called the people of Israel to build the temple, to fear not, you know, he's strengthening them up by, and, and reminding them that it's that the Lord is still at work and he's still with them. And so as we Uh, You know, we might feel like, uh, we may feel discouraged. And I want to kind of remind you, like, these people in Haggai's day, they probably had more things to feel discouraged about in their time. You know, they, many of them, especially the elders, would remember um, going through, uh, having their, their livelihoods destroyed. They get basically taken away, you know, kind of kidnapped in a way, just on a national level and so they get exiled. They get taken away from their homes. They get robbed of everything that they have, and they go live in a foreign land. And uh, they they go live in a place that they're not from. And they're just exiles, wandering around. Uh, you know, it, you know that maybe not wandering around, but you get what I mean. And it takes 70 years, and we can read that in a sentence, but they lived that for a whole lifespan. A whole lifespan of hurt. I feel like my life is kind of frozen for the whole year of COVID with lockdowns. It's like I can't imagine seventy years of you know you you being born and growing up in this uh, this this you know the country of your birth, and then suddenly everything gets destroyed and you get taken away from your home, and then you grow up somewhere else. The people faced proper problems, real pain, real hurt. And the more that I read scripture, the more that I see that these are just real people with, with flaws and problems and you know, uh, doubts and different elements that we still struggle with today. But the Lord is saying, my spirit remains in your midst. I'm still here. Don't give up. The Lord is saying, I am still here. And I kind of want to take a pause here and kind of just remind us of how the Lord is still with us, okay, we, uh, you know, turn uh, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, you know, this is, this is the, um, uh, you know, the, not, the mission statement of the church, Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 19, well, 18 to the end here, and, you know, you can focus on many different parts of here, but I kind of just want to read this and see that the, you know, the Lord is still with his people today. Okay? So Jesus says to them, came and said to them, this is his disciples, you know, and he's saying this to them as he's igniting them to go do the work of the church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all that I commanded you, you know, go and do all these things, make disciples, baptizing people, teaching them, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, the Lord still, you know, Jesus Christ, yes, he's not here on a, on a throne, he's not here in, in, in those kind of, you know, the, perhaps the millennial kingdom, the the kingdom authority way, but the fact is, The Lord is with his people as they go and do his work, as he has given them the mission to go therefore and make disciples. He's saying that I am with you always to the end of the age. There's never been a time when Jesus Christ has not been with his church in spirit. Even now. And you know, it's, again, it's, it's just one of those things, as you look back, you're just like, oh, we should have just believed because we saw what the Lord was doing, you know, we saw what the Lord was doing there. But then when you live in the present and you look to the future and all you see is risk, all you, you see is you're not really sure. You know, if you, if you take, uh, you know, uh, money to the stock market and you're like, okay, so what is gonna happen in the future? And everyone's just like, we have no idea, <laughs> you know? But you look in the past and you're like, oh, I could have done that and I could have done that. But it's just like, as you look to the future, all you see is risk, you know, in this life, it's, you know, we as Christians can look back and say, like, the Lord took care of me there. The Lord was with me there. And then as we look to the future, we can feel the, the fear of doubt and discouragement. But yet what I want to say this morning is the fact that you are not alone. What the Lord has called you to do, how he has called you to live, he is fueling you and he is with you to continue. Turn back to the book of Haggai. As he's saying, you know, my spirit remains in your midst. Face discouragement by being filled by the spirit. You know, are you facing discouragement? Have you asked the Lord, continue filling me, Lord. Please continue, you know, like we can gather together and we can be a church and we can, uh, you know, have conversations together and we can encourage one another. But it's just like, are you asking for the Holy Spirit to do divine work in your life? Are you asking for divine peace? Are you asking for divine encouragement that the Holy Spirit only can do? Have you asked, have you prayed, have you sought the filling of the Spirit as you face discouragement? Take heart, be strong, keep working, being obedient, the promise still stands, and the Lord here is saying, I have never left you, fear not. All right, now verses six to eight, I just kind of want to have a disclaimer here, as we're going to look at prophecy, and you know, there's... People can debate about how this is all fulfilled and so on. Uh, And and really, when you look at prophecy, prophecy is never just like simple and straightforward. Uh, There's multiple layers to fulfillment, okay? There's multiple layers. You see uh, perhaps an initial fulfillment partially, and then you see a partial fulfillment uh, when Christ came and died on the cross. And then you see to the eternal future when Jesus Christ is going to come back, and you see uh, you know, I, 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 kind of what's coming to my mind is when I was in Bible school and uh, they would have this image, maybe I should have had an image in my PowerPoint now that I think about it, but um, uh, you know, a prophet's kind of like looking up these hills, these, these these mountains, and there's these dips between each mountain. It's just like as he's looking forward for all these prophecies, as he's seeing, as the Lord is saying, these are the things that are gonna happen. They happen at different stages, and there's multiple times that they get fulfilled by layers, and then ultimately fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes back, as everything comes, you know, God's word comes to full fruition there. And so, just a bit of disclaimer, these are, uh, you know, uh, prophecies here about what the Lord is gonna do. And you see what the Lord really is doing here is he's calling them, don't be afraid, be strong, keep going, I am with you. And now he's gonna give them promises to strengthen them. And what we're going to see here is uh, in number five here uh, for facing discouragement is we are to face discouragement with trust in the power of the Lord. Because, you know, the Lord by nature makes promises. And what we're going to see here is that he makes the promise that he is powerful, that he can work, that he is strong. And what we're called to do is to trust that. All right, so uh, the ending of uh, verse five, my spirit remains in your midst, Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts. Okay, Fear not because of what I'm about to say, what the Lord is about to say. Fear not, yet once more in a little while, so very soon, okay, you're not going to have to wait for long, Yet yeah, once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. What we really see here is the Lord is promising he is going to shake the world to accomplish his will and purposes. And he's saying there that, that he is going to bring, Hey, okay, he's going to bring the treasures of the nations, that's what he's saying there, to build this house. And then that, that the verse eight, you know, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. You know, the Lord's just declaring his sovereignty and his, you know, his authority over the whole world where it's like, you know, he's in control of everything and when the lord calls his people to do things he doesn't send them void he doesn't send them empty handed he sends them with what they need and so what we see here is a promise of provision the lord is going to provide and the lord is going to move in power all right so what we see here and you know the lord fulfills this in the book of Ezra okay so like this 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 uh, prophecy of Bringing, uh, you know, the treasures of the nations to fill this house with glory. So turn in your Bibles. Keep a finger in Haggai; it's easy to lose. So uh, keep a finger there, and turn to Ezra chapter uh, five. Well, turn to chapter six actually. So Ezra chapter five, and what we? Well, I'm just going to have some water here. Ezra chapter five. <clears throat> So in, uh, in Ezra chapter 5, I just kind of want to point out, that's where we see the book of Haggai located, okay? You can sort of see there, the rebuilding begins anew, and you can see in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of, uh, I'm never sure how to say, Edod, Edou, uh you know, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and in Jerusalem in the name of God uh, of Israel who, were, who was over them. Okay, so we see, you know, that's basically like a snippet saying this is where the book of Haggai is located, okay? And he calls them to rebuild the temple and they start doing that, okay? And there's uh, all of chapter five where they begin doing that. Now, uh, the later half of chapter five, um, uh, Tataniah, uh, who is the governor of the province beyond the river, he's seeing what's going on. He's just like, you know, they're not supposed to be doing this. They're not supposed to be building the temple, The people around uh, the 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 exiles who have come back around Jerusalem, uh, you know, the people around them are like they shouldn't be doing this. They're not supposed to be building up the uh, this temple or this city and so on. And so they send a letter and uh, to to stop them from building this. Okay, so letter goes to King Darius, and we're going to read what Darius writes back. Okay, so this is a decree from King Darius, and we're going to read verses six to twelve here. So. Follow with me in your Bibles. Now therefore, well, I'm not gonna, we don't have time to go through the therefore. Uh, now, Tataniah, governor of the province beyond the river, Bozanai, and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away, okay? Because remember, they're like, we, we've got we've to stop these guys. And uh, the king's saying, keep away from them, okay? Let the work of this house of God alone let the governor of the jews and the elders of the of the jews rebuild this house of god on its site moreover i make a decree regarding what you shall do for these for these men it, oh sorry I'm, my mind's just my eyes are struggling here uh, I'll go back to verse 8. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews, for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the, tribute, uh, the tributes of the province from beyond the river. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep's, uh, sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, uh, of heaven. wheat salt, wine, or oil as the priests of, at Jerusalem require, let them be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, a beam shall be put up on, out of his house and he shall be impaled on it, and his house shall be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king. You know, this is just crazy what he's saying here. Any king or people who shall put out a hand to alter this or to destroy this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it be done with all diligence. You know, first of all, what he's saying is that you know, leave them alone. Do not stop them. Then let's pay for it. Let's pay for this temple, you know, the people, you know, it's, it's possible that as the, the prophet Haggai is just preaching this oracle from God, as he's saying, like, I'm about to shake the nations, that the person is, you know, the delegate is coming from King Darius being like, you know, we've, we've got, you know, please hand in your receipts, we've got everything covered, and the people are going to leave you alone, and then not only, only that, but provide them with bulls, rams, sheep, you know, uh, whatever the, the priests need. Uh, you know he's 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 going to provide for uh, the people of Israel here, and it's really easy to kind of say like, well, this is just uh, the King Darius working here. But you know the the Lord sees things from it, the whole perspective, and we see that this is the power of the Lord moving and His His Spirit guiding the things on earth for the will and purposes for His people, so that they may build the house of the Lord, so that they may be blessed. And then notice also that. Uh, the decree that, uh, you know, if anyone tries to stop them, uh, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to go well for them. Uh, and then verse 12, may the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put out a hand to alter this. You know, he's saying, uh, you know, his position as king even, may he not go against uh, what is happening here. And what we really see in this moment here is, that, is the fact that the Lord provides for his people. Turn back to Haggai. You know, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of, the, of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory. You know, no and trust the power of the Lord, the fact that He will pull through for His people and for the purposes that He is calling them to do, and we don 't have time to to sit uh, if you um, if you want to uh, you can check out the podcast of the previous sermons uh, in in Haggai, uh, but we looked uh, if you might remember we looked at Matthew chapter six uh, where we talked about how the Lord uh, tells uh, you know as Jesus is uh, uh, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he says to uh, not lay up treasures on earth, but should lay up their treasures in heaven. And then he addresses the, the problem that we all have when it's like, you know, we need to glorify God and lay up treasures in heaven and live for that eternity. But then you're like, but how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to pay my bills? And the Lord, uh, you know, Jesus really addressed it in chapter six, uh, where, he's, uh, where he talks about all the needs that you have and the fact that God knows that you need these things. And I don't know if you remember, but we, we talked about about the, the the difference between needs and wants and how the Lord knows what you need and then when He calls you to do His work, you know when He gave the Great Commission to the church to go therefore and make disciples, He's not saying go make disciples and figure out how you're going to do that. Like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to support you. And so in Matthew chapter 6, we come to verse 33. And the only reason why I like to give so much context to this whole passage here is because I don't, I, I don't want to just be like, if you're going to follow God, everything's going to work out for you. Like, there is a specific context to this verse, but we do come to it. Uh, we come to this verse, and this, there's, there's truth here. This is a promise to the church, okay? Okay? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not seek second, not seek third. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek to do what God's calling you to do. Seek to live righteously. Seek to live uh, you know, in the love of Christ and the, uh, following Christ in the way that you live. And then he says, and all these things, and what, remember what he was talking about, all the things that you need to live in this life what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will clothe yourself with, and what you will, where you will live. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now that's a promise. Uh, you know, as we face discouragement, I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not really hard to go anywhere to try and find how people are, you know, struggling with uh, the situation of the economy and different things that are all going on. You know, the spending and different things going on. It's just like, you know, how are we gonna? You know, what's the future gonna hold? We're to face discouragement with the trust in the power of the Lord. When He makes a promise, He doesn't, He doesn't waste words. You know, He doesn't waste words. So in closing, I'm going to look at this uh, last last statement here okay chapter uh, sorry verse 9 of Haggai chapter 2 as uh, the Lord says the later glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts it's like first of all that's just like I thought you just said this house isn't going to look as good as the old one and that's true in a way that, you know, it's never going to be as glorious and grand as the, it's never going to be the, Solomite, uh, Sol, uh, the, solemn te- the, the Temple of Solomon, right? It's not going to be like that. It'll be different. Uh, you know, they, eventually under King Herod, it'll get like expanded to be like a bigger size. But I, I believe and I, I, I interpret this in a way that, I don't think he's talking about size or making this grand or making it look very expensive. I believe he's talking about the fact that the temple who the you know t- the, the one who is worshipped in the temple comes in the form of man and walks into this temple. You see this temple that they are building is the second temple. And this is the one that Jesus Christ would walk through and enter into. And this is the one that he said that he would destroy and rebuild in three days. And we know through the, you know, as we look through Christ and as we look through the New Testament, we see the fact that, you know, the temple has been destroyed. Now the fact is that uh, the people of God themselves have been created to become the temple of God as the Spirit of God indwells his people. And so really the later glory, what we see is a promise of greater glory that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ on the cross. And the last thing, the last thing to face discouragement with is based on this last statement here. And in this place, we know where this greater glory is going to be. I will give peace. I will give peace, declares the Lord. And what we see here is face discouragement with the peace of Jesus the peace of Jesus. And really, as I was kind of like going through, what does, what does peace mean? What, what, is, what does peace mean here? And uh, I've done, I remember reading um, uh, a book about the history of the Mongol Empire. Um, it's a bit off topic, but it, it has a point. Um, I remember reading a, a historian called, I think, Jordan Peterson. No. <laughs> Peter Jackson was his name. Not the film director, uh, Peter Jackson, the historian. Um, but uh, he... Um, he said that the, the Mongolian uh, people, um, there were people in the, in the Asian steppe, uh, north of China, the country of Mongolia. They expanded across the whole of, not the whole of Asia, but like took over one of the largest empires in the world. And it's, he said that they don't have a word for peace like we do. It, the 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 word that they use for peace is uh, the word for subjugate, which basically means defeat your enemy. So there's only peace when the enemy's defeated, um, you know. And it's just like, well, it makes you. I remember reading that and just being like, I guess I've never really thought about what is peace, you know? What 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 do I determine what peace is? And uh, you know, the the Mongol understanding of the word peace was when uh, when someone had won and there was peace, you know, the the conflict was done because someone had won, and uh, you know, it's a different way of looking at peace here. Uh, And and so this—it's what was going through my mind. I was reading, like, what is this peace that God is giving? And the fact is, peace is when there's no more conflict. And what the conflict is that God is talking about—it's not just about the part, the suffering in life, but it's just you know, the sinfulness and pride of man that that is at odds with the holy righteousness of God. And so what he is saying here, the fact that the the greater glory that he's going to come in this place in this temple he's going to send uh, his son Jesus Christ, and through Jesus God is going to bring peace and the fact is that all of God's judgment, wrath and uh, you know the, the judgment for our sin is put on Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ he will give peace you know because he's looking on this side of the cross and we look back on the cross and what we see is that The peace between us and the Lord is in Jesus Christ. God gave peace on the cross. There was an end to the conflict of sin and God's holiness at the cross. So that as you and I, we come to Jesus Christ and we can have peace. When we face discouragement, it's like, doesn't it feel like the last thing you have is peace? Peace when you're facing doubts, when you're facing struggles, possibly suffering, the fact is like, God wants you and his people to have peace. Peace with him. And so as you face discouragement in this morning, you face discouragement with the peace of Jesus Christ. Do You know that you and God, through Jesus Christ, you know, it's not like God's just putting up with you, or God's just like, you know, frustrated with you just all the time. Like, God loves you. Do you have that peace? that I'm rest, Do you rest in the fact that God loves you? I've, I've, began, to, I've, be, I've began reading this book called Gentle and Lowly. Uh, the author escapes my mind right now, but um, he, uh, he said that um, you know, there's one verse, in the, out of all the Bible, all the, all the Gospels, there's one moment where Jesus talks about the characteristics of what his heart is like And really, when you think about that, that's the heart of God. You know, the heart of Jesus Christ. And he describes himself in Matthew chapter 11. You know what, let's let's turn then. We'll end here. Matthew chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 28. This is the moment where he talks about his heart. And this is the heart that he has uh, for those who come to him. It's Jesus' heart for sinners and sufferers. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know, God doesn't, Jesus Christ doesn't think he's better than you in a way that's like, he's like snubbing his nose as he just kind of like, you know, he uh, disgusts himself as he picks you up. No, he loves you and he, he comes to us With a love of embracing and this gentleness and lowly, he is humble. If anyone has any reason to boast, it's it's the God of the universe. And yet here he is in humble man, you know, coming to love and to save. What he's saying here in these words, his heart for his people is that they will come and find rest. And look at that. And you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what the peace is all about? rest for your souls he's not really talking about rest like a vacation but the rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light as you face discouragement this morning strengthen yourself to look to the encouragement that you have in the Lord you are not alone keep going remember the promises of God be filled with the spirit trust the power of the Lord experience and hold on to the peace of Jesus Christ don't give up Don't give up. Don't give up on the church. You know, if if parenting is hard right now, don't give up. You know, if living is hard right now, don't give up. You know, as we're gonna figure out how we can live in this uh, time of lockdown, don't give up. The Lord is with you. You are not alone. Be encouraged in the Lord. Let's just pray. God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that uh, just as your heart is to encourage the people in Haggai's days, that you know they, you see that they need encouragement, as you see that they need help to keep going, to keep working, to keep obeying you, to keep glorifying you. And the fact is that one day you will make all things new. The fact is you see the whole picture. They don't see it. And Lord, we don't see the whole picture of what our lives are going to look like. Lord, may we trust you. May we see that you have a purpose. May we see that you Of a plan that you are in control of all things. Lord, may each one of uh, each member of your church this morning know that you are with them. I pray that you will bless your church. Keep us going. In Jesus' name, amen.